welcome to tits up when things go tits up they're broken tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it this is what we do as mothers when things are broken we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck episode of Tits Up is sponsored by the really clever B-Box 360 Toddler Cup. That, yeah, it was really clear that there wasn't that education to set their babies up with a robust gut health and from birth. And I really want to emphasize that gut health, you know, throughout pregnancy, preconception, but also really big emphasis on the baby health. I think that's so important. So we know that their gut health, you know, can be a foundation for their long-term health in areas like growth and development, their immune system function, metabolic programming, and just in general, healthy gene expression for years to come. Areas like impacting their early brain development, mental health outcomes, their mood, their cognitive programming, and just development later in life. So it's really powerful. That just goes to show that connection is, is really strong between the gut and the brain. You know, if you, as a mum, come up, come down with a cold, then your, those antibodies are going to be passed on to bubs to protect them. Or if they have a cold themselves, your milk will change to help with um, bubba fighting off that infection. So that's how magic the milk is. Always coming back to this gut. So just remembering that that 80% of the immune system is found in the gut. Welcome to Tits Up. Our guest today is Casey Wilson from Glowing Mama Thriving Bubba. And we're discussing nutrition and nourishing mum and baby from your baby's microbiome and gut health as a newborn to introducing solids and supporting your toddler's immune system. And Casey is a naturopath and a nutritionist with over 13 years experience working with women to feel balanced and nourished, heading into and throughout motherhood with a special passion for setting babies up for the best start to life. Through her naturopathic knowledge and personal mama experience, Casey offers her support through her Glowing Mama Thriving Bubba podcast, books, online program, and one-on-one consultations for optimizing preconception, pregnancy, baby, and mum health. So, hi, Casey. Where are you today? Hello, Pinky. I'm coming from South Australia from my office with my two girls and with my mum. So hopefully we don't get too much background noise. Um, But yeah, really looking forward to today's chat. I am too. I can't wait to get your information (laughs) out there. I'm really excited talking to you today. Um, First up, can you tell us how you embarked on this journey as a naturopath and nutritionist? Was it some sort of special Mm. experience? Was your tits yeah. up experience that <laughs> lies behind your passion and work teaching and supporting mm. mothers and babies? Yeah, well, as a naturopath, it really began for me helping support women to balance their hormones. That was my initial real passion. I'd just come out of studying minotropathy and I'd also been on my own health journey. So after hitting that party girl scene in my late teens, I had to really heal myself from a state of adrenal fatigue amongst other issues like chronic candida. And so I was really passionate already in this this area and naturally that's initially what I attracted with my um, patients. 
And over the years, I was getting really good results. And, you know, in areas like cycle health, so irregular cycles, painful periods, PMS, things like that. And so because of those great results, that led to my first book, Balance, The Natural Way to Healthy Hormones. But as these women progressed in life, naturally, a lot of them wanted to, you know, start a family. And so they seeked my support again um, to really help prepare their bodies for their preconception journey and optimising their health throughout pregnancy. And this over time became my new specialty and passion. And especially after, you know, experiencing this, you know, myself personally, but what I was also super passionate about was guiding them to holistically support their bubbers for their best start to life. As at the same time, I was really seeing a lot of children coming in to see me with chronic health conditions, but not just that, they would come along to their mum's appointments and I would see a lot of things from, you know, eczema to asthma to allergies to autism, uh, autoimmune conditions, dental decay, digestive upsets in these kids. And I was thinking, what's going on? Like, where are we going wrong? And as I was chatting to these mums, I was really concerned about it and they didn't feel like they had that support out there to holistically support their babies, you know, from birth right through to that toddlerhood stage. And after having my own, I realised that, yeah, it was really clear that there wasn't that education to set their babies up with a robust gut health and from birth. And I really want to emphasise that gut health. And so I wanted to really change that story, both providing the information to prevent these conditions from developing um, but also giving them natural alternatives because that's what they really wanted, um, a natural alternative if, if that's what they wanted to support their, you know, little ones overcoming their symptoms and overcoming those conditions. And that's when I decided to bring the guidance that I was giving to them in clinic um, together into the chapters of Thriving Bubba. But I also put my, you know, personal experience as a mum in there as well. And that's why, you know, today my passion is to you know support those those women and couples heading into motherhood um, throughout you know throughout pregnancy preconception but also really big emphasis on the baby health I think that's so important oh it is and when you've got little ones yourself you can be realistic too you know what what you want what you don't want what's too hard what you can actually manage um yeah so let's start at the beginning with the very little babies, you know, your newborns, mm -hmm. the microbiome and the mm -hmm. importance of that and how that all influences gut health. Um, yeah, so the colonisation of of the gut begins from pregnancy. So we know that there's that small amount of, you know, transfer during pregnancy, otherwise from birth, and it continues up to three years of age. So that's when the gut microbiota becomes compositionally similar to that of an adult. So what that means is that we have this really opportunistic time to support our little ones, to support their microbiome development, you know, using factors in our control and therefore set them up for that really important, robust gut health. And this can positively or negatively affect other areas of their body. So we know that their gut health, you know, can be a foundation for their long-term health in areas like growth and development, their immune system function, metabolic programming, and just in general, healthy gene expression for years to come. So if we can positively impact that microbiome, we know that we can, we have that power to reduce the risk of disease and promote that vibrant health for years to come. So areas like impacting their early brain development, mental health outcomes, their mood, their cognitive programming and just development later in life. So it's really powerful. But I know that, um, you know, listeners will be wanting to know some examples. So 
just one example of the strong connection between the gut and the brain is a study that I have in my baby book, Thriving Bubba. They took 250 infant stool samples and showed that attention and language improvement was shown in babies with healthy levels of two main bifidobacterium strains. I'm not going to even try to pronounce them, they're big long names, but that just goes to show that connection is, is really strong between the gut and the brain. Um, but then the immune system side of things, so the gut and the immune system are very much connected and you know up to 80% of the immune system is found in the gut. So a couple of examples there are low levels of butyrate producing good bacteria and we know and butyrate itself. Now, just a little note, butyrate is a short chain fatty acid that acts as fuel and protection for the gut lining. So it's a big player in the role of gut health. So low levels of that and bacteria that were producing that were evident in stool samples of babies who later developed atopy. So atopy is eczema, asthma, and or allergies. So that's, that's pretty huge for the immune system. And also that baby's microbiome can be a predictor for the development of the autoimmune disease of celiac disease later in life. So it can, you know, potentially switch on or off those genes. So we know, you know, we're, we're probably asking those questions of what can impact the microbiome then. Of course, we know that the mode of birth can play a big role. So a vaginal birth, of course, that maternal microbiome is picked up as the bubs, you know, enters that birth canal and they'll resemble about 72% of mum's good gut bacteria or gut bacteria when that happens. And we know that therefore with the C-section that um, the bacteria that they pick up is more similar to mum's um, skin and oral microbiome. And there is unfortunately an increased risk of immune-related health conditions with a C-section birth. However, there are things that we can do. So if you are, you know, if you're planning on having a C-section or if you end up with an emergency C-section, you can have in your birth preferences the procedure of seeding. Um, so you can talk to your midwife about that or you might want to um, talk about that pinky. Um, you can do the skin to skin. We know that that's a beautiful way of picking up that microbiome. And the breastfeeding within an hour. And also a big note is if you're planning a hospital birth, to take your own towels, take your own blankets, take your own clothing, because they have your bacteria on them and not the hospitals. Whereas if you take the hospitals, rugs and things that they give you, then that can potentially be giving them the hospital bacteria. So that's something, a little tip, if you haven't yet had your bums or if you're having a second a great tip. pumps. Yeah, it's Isn't just... It? Taking your own towels and your, exactly. your own clothing, along and with that... skin to skin, obviously. Yes, that's, that's right. That's a great tip that you, mm. you just aren't told. No, that's right. Something that's really simple that you can do. And yes, that skin to skin contact that continues, you know, weeks, months and years down the track, you'll be gaining the, the benefits of that skin to skin. So definitely don't stop just after birth. And we know that that helps with neurodevelopment, it helps with reducing stress levels, it promotes that love hormone oxytocin, which of course, positively then impacts your breastfeeding. Um, journey and it just improves that affection towards and bonding with your baby as well so keep that skin to skin going and you know being on this podcast of course we, we have to talk about breastfeeding and so we know that initially the colostrum plays a really important role in shaping your baby's microbiome along with other things of course but it's rich in those antibodies to fight infections and promote healthy immunity and by the time that that mature milk is set in um, in later weeks then that you know is also something that can help to fight infections so for example you know if you as a mum come up come down with a cold then your those antibodies are going to be passed on to bubs to protect them or if they have a cold themselves your milk will change to help with um, bubba fighting off that infection so that's how 
magic the milk is but it's really magic isn't oh, it? I mean it's, it's that transfer of saliva from baby to mum yeah. even if mum hasn't been and this is great for bigger babies who are crawling around the floor and touching yes. up the children's toys and that and they come back to mum and get a mm. dose mum's immune system makes antibodies against the bugs that they've been in contact with so yeah. it's really helpful yeah it's absolutely and also magic. that gut health I just thought you were talking mm. about all you know immunity and everything development of the serotonin receptors too yes exactly yes so important and particularly the breast milk when it comes to the microbiome what's happening here is that um, breast milk contains these sugars called oligosaccharides and that fuels the bifidobacterium growth and we know that the, the dominant bifidobacterium nurture your your gut your baby's gut development so that's what we we generally want that to be more dominant in there as those those particular bacteria break down, they're specialised to break down the sugars from the breast milk. So it's this beautiful cycle that happens where the sugars then from the breast milk continue to fuel the bifido growth and in turn other amazing organisms in the gut. So it's, this mostly happens within the first 12 months, but that's the beauty of breast milk. It can, you know, fuel that, those good bacteria. Uh, the bifido strains that we want and then we know that there's things that can unfortunately you know wipe out the good bacteria like antibiotics that are given you know whether it's at birth or after birth uh, so we want to reduce the the um, you know use of antibiotics if we can but of course they're there when we need them um, so what we need to do is if antibiotics are given which can wipe out that and, and destroy that good gut bacteria and lead to other things later on in life, we want to be using probiotics. So this is something you can do whether you're breastfeeding or um, bottle feeding. You can use probiotics through you, the breastfeeding mum. That's where I usually would recommend to start um, or into the bottle if it's a, a bottle-fed baby. And we know that that can reduce the risk of functional digestive complaints and minimise the, the issues, particularly when they're happening post or during antibiotics and the side effects later on of having, having antibiotics. So we want to be using probiotics, but we also have to remember that with bubs, these probiotics need to be infant specific. So that I talk about with this within the baby book, there's particular strains that have been well researched. And, and as I said, we want, you know, majority of the bifido strains in there because that's what they need. Um, so probiotics are a big one. And then don't forget their environment. So things like letting them play outside, getting them dirty, that is a huge one to help support their immune system. And research has actually shown having pets getting dirty and having siblings can all help promote that microbiome development and that immune um, development over time. But, if, of course, if you don't have... Mm. Of so, course, if you, so all of this um, uh, hand sanitising that we're doing... Exactly. I was just going to get to that. That's a huge one. I'm so, so passionate about spreading the message of reducing, sanitizing if you are particularly breastfeeding. Um, obviously, you don't want to be sanitizing your baby because that's just wiping their, their, good, their good bacteria on their skin. Um, but of course, that happens for you too as a breastfeeding mom if you're sanitizing your hands. Gentle soaps, warm water, absolutely adequate. And the reason why I'm so passionate about sharing this message is, A, a lot of the hand sanitizers have got really toxic ingredients that can get into the bloodstream and the breast milk, but also you're wiping off that, that beneficial bacteria on your skin and then you're not being able to pass it on to bumps. So avoiding it where possible. There are more natural alternatives out there um, to use if you really do want to sanitize, but gentle soaps and warm water really are accurate at 
uh, effective at you know washing your your hands if that's what you're needing to do. Um, I did want to add in a little point there though. If you are letting your baby crawl around on grass and dirt and all of that, just be mindful of areas if you're out in public that might have been sprayed with glyphosate by council workers because a lot of the councils are using glyphosate and that can be toxic. So if you've got the room at home, do it at home, and then you know the how that environment is. Mm, yeah, those are all good points and. With the little babies, quite often at birth, formula is introduced. So the expressing of colostrum mm, while you're yes. pregnant antenatally can be really helpful, can't it? Absolutely. And then you, you, they can still get those that good start with the colostrum. That's the absolute magic. And like I said, you still can do things like the probiotics if, if you're not breastfeeding. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's good to know all the things because, you know, there's so many factors around birth and breastfeeding that can interrupt and even if you're going to continue breastfeeding but you've given your baby some formula again it's it's mm. what you do at that time to keep that nice healthy little gut absolutely um, yeah I'm also interested in how mum's nutrition can play a part in unsettled irritable babies so let's mm. discuss this and of course babies they're never allergic to their mother's milk although they can be sensitive to some foods that pass through yeah. And what do you see as a naturopath and nutritionist? Um, yeah. and what do you find helpful for these mums with the unsettled babies? Mm. I guess I'd go back a step really even and talk about first the the importance of nutrition and nurturing that breastfeeding mum so they have the milk in the first place. Um, so uh, what we need to understand is if we don't top up our cup as a breastfeeding mum and don't nutritionally replete ourselves, then that can impact our milk um, production. And, you know, yes, bubs is still, you know, adjusting to life outside the womb and mum's milk can be one of them and that can lead to an irritable baby too. But I guess firstly, making sure that you are nourished. So some important tips there I would say is making sure that you're well hydrated, a good three three plus litres a day, but that does include your herbal teas, not, not just you're not black tea and not coffee, but any of your herbal teas included in that. Um, if you're just post-birth, keep warm. Warmth's really important and warm foods like bone broths and slow-cooked meals and soups, really nourishing. And they have those beautiful minerals in there and amino acids for your gut health, but also minerals to replete you because pregnancy is a huge um, thing that you'll be, you know, depleted from nutrients anyway, from bubs taking them and then you're going to be breastfeeding. So you need to be repleting yourself. To produce breast milk, you really do need a good 500 plus calories from what you were having, um, but we need to look at quality over quantity. So uh, making sure you've got a good 80, 80 plus grams a day of protein that can be, you know, grass-fed meats, organic meats, um, chicken, eggs, seeds, nuts, if they agree with with bubs, which I'll get to is um, legumes, but often in those first weeks and months, they can be a bit of an irritant, irritant for bubs. Um, if you're going to have any soy products, I would recommend fermented organic soy, so tempeh and natto, but not a lot of tofu and soy milk because they could potentially upset your thyroid health and um, you want your thyroid to be working really well to be able to produce breast milk. If it's underactive, then that can impact your supply. 
Um, and you could look at, you know, things like collagen and gelatin and some um, fermented rice or pea protein if you need to top up your protein over the day. But protein is crucial. Um, but we also have to remember that baby leeches throughout your third trimester and breastfeeding, they leach your DHA, which is an omega-3. It's really important for baby's brain health and eye development. So often you're actually really deplete with that at the end of pregnancy. And then you're trying to be passing this through to the breast milk as well. So to avoid baby being depleted, firstly, you need to include a lot of um, omega-3 rich foods like you know, little fish and cod liver oil and algal oil or algal oil supplement if you're a vegetarian or vegan. Um, but then also to avoid your depletion of that too, because that mushy brain can come from not having enough DHA. So lots of good oily um, fish is, is a really good one to have. Mm, and there's quite a bit of research around this and baby mm. sleep patterns and mum having yes. low DHA and um, oh, what was my, and postnatal depression. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's so, evidence around that too. So it's really important to get those. I mean, baby will get first dibs, so mm, baby is probably exactly. not going to be depleted so easily as mum after growing and birthing and feeding mm -hmm. a baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really good point with the postnatal um, depletion and depression. So I always recommend supplementing throughout pregnancy anyway, but definitely with breastfeeding to really, you know, avoid you being depleted. And also talking about brain health, we want choline too. And the choline requirements go through the roof in pregnant and pregnancy and breastfeeding. And eggs are our best source of, of choline. But even if you are eating eggs regularly, it's actually still pretty hard to reach those demands. So considering a choline supplement um, is also something else I'd, I'd suggest for babies' brain particularly. Um, and with carbs, like I know I said 500 calories more a day, but choose your carbs wisely. So you're choosing those ones that have got nutrition in them, not just filling you up. So some examples of what you could do there is you could have you know, more nutritious root vegetables over having, say, white pasta instead. Um, you could do soaked and cooked in broth basmati or brown rice instead of white rice or white pasta. You could do a proper organic sourdough over white bread, or you could do fresh fruit over dried fruit or even like fruit juice, which is very high in fructose. So you want to avoid fruit juice. But um, there's some little tips that you could look at, but also just, you know, going for those super nutrition dense foods like liver if you're open to it pate you could do that and being open to supplementing because as i said often you are at the end of pregnancy and you're very deplete in a lot of these nutrients anyway from vitamin a c d e all your b's choline the iodine selenium the dha so supplementing is often needed and so seeking the support of a naturopath for that just to get some really specific um, supplements in there too. Um, but just be really honest with yourself. Do you need to slow down? Do you need to take more naps? Do you need to ask for help? Do you need more nourishing foods? Take that time to nurture you to really get give yourself the best chance to produce that breast milk. And if you are questioning your supply, as I mentioned briefly before, just looking at getting your thyroid checked because that can often be a, a factor if you are struggling with, with your milk production. Ooh, iron yeah. and thyroid in particular, yeah, mm. are really, really can impact yes. supply. And it's, it's often not, you know, I've had a room full of 100 women and said, has mm. anyone in this first year had their iron and thyroid and vitamin D levels checked? Yeah, exactly. I've never had more than about three or four hands go up. 
Yeah, unfortunately, it takes you really pushing to get them tested. And with thyroid particularly, often the GP will only do the TSH, which is just a little portion of your thyroid. That can actually look okay, but it can be the other like actual thyroid hormones or perhaps even antibodies. Um, so there might be an autoimmune um, condition happening. So you do have to push. And if you can't get it through your normal GP, you could um, pay out of pocket to do it through a naturopath or nutritionist or integrated GP. So um, don't just think, oh, I can't get it done. You can look further and get it get it tested and get it ruled out. That is really important. Yeah. And there can be times when they don't necessarily read the results properly either. They don't exactly that's the, the next results. point. <laughs> I've had that one. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my endocrinologist rang up and said, this is my mobile. Tell your GP mm. to call me. <laughs> yeah, always get a copy of your results and get yeah. a second opinion. So I will say, because most women will likely get TSH tested, that is something the GP will do. Um, so between one to two is where you want to see it, whereas the range is, only, I think it's from 0.5 up to four or something. So yeah. you, want to, you want it between one to two. If it's higher than that, that means an underactive thyroid and that can, is directly linked with um, issues with breastfeeding, um, supply particularly. But if it's lower than that, that can be more of an overactive thyroid um, so yeah, making sure it's within within that range, and if not, getting the extra support from a, a functional medicine practitioner like a naturopath yeah. or nutritionist. Yeah, and your overactive thyroid or your um, iron depletion mm. can also have the same symptoms as postnatal depression. So don't yeah. just say, exactly. okay, I mean, yes, you may well have postnatal mm. depression, but why? also why? Yeah. 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 Ask the question of why, like, is, is there a reason for it? Do I need to be more nutritionally replete in that DHA and iodine in iron in vitamin D and yeah, check that thyroid as well. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by the really clever B-Box 360 Toddler Cup. The B-Box 360 is the ideal training cup for little sippers and little tippers that are moving away from a spout or straw, supporting independent drinking, but with a twist. The innovative new 360 cup supports little learners to tilt and sip from a soft silicon lip activated 360 degree drinking rim so they can drink from any side of the cup. Offering flow control, the firmer they press, the more liquid will flow and fewer spills. The silicon rim seals closed when it's not in use. So clever. Easy grip handles offer two mode function for use at home and on the go. Handles down for drinking and up to lock and go. So there's no more links in bags or prams. You can try the new 360 cup now with 20% off for tits up listeners. Head to bbops.com.au and use the code pinky360 P-I-N-K-Y 360 at checkout. And see the show notes for more details just in case you can't remember that code. Um, but yeah, getting back to your question on, on actually soothing that irritable baby, um, you know, these symptoms can be very varied um, with a baby that, you know, has been labelled as having colic so issues could be like difficulty 
with their, them gaining weight, maybe they're bringing up most milk after you know most of their feeds. Maybe they're just irritable all the time. And when you tune into your baby, as you'd know, Pinky, you know the difference between the cries. So it's a real you know irritable cry and arching the back, knees up to the chest. It's not just I'm hungry cry. And often feeding won't settle them as well. So issues with breathing can be can be something as well, coughing, wheezing, and disturbed sleep, of course. So if your baby's consistently doing these things or just consistently irritable, then that, that's likely to be put down as colic, and it can be due to the spasms in the intestinal smooth muscle or trapped gas. So we want to know why this is happening in the first place. There's a, there's a few contributors. Um, going back to the antibiotics, we know that that can be a cause. So whether that's given throughout um, to the mum throughout pregnancy, birth, or even the baby at birth. We know that antibiotics are quite caustic to the small intestines and particularly that area where the protein digestion occurs. So that's something, once again, where, you know, you'd be wanting to look at your probiotics. Um, even vaccinations, they can impact gut health, trauma at birth, uh, reactions to formula, of course. So, you know, always trying different types of formula if they are reacting. Um, and yes, mum's milk. So what mum's eating can be upsetting bubs as well. So a few things to look at if they are presenting mm. as being irritable all the time. Another thing to look at is yeah. the possibility of tongue tie. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you know, oh, seeing a lactation yeah. consultant and just check that baby's well latched, sucking yep. effectively, all those sorts of things. They don't just get you to poke your baby's tongue out to see if your baby can poke your tongue out. They need mm. to have their gloves on and actually look in their hands yeah. inside the baby's mouth. Exactly. That's always the first thing that I'll say is to get that opinion and second opinion often often is the case oh, from a proper in, international board certified lactation consultant. So check for that, get it ruled out because that and attachment issues can often be a cause of, of colic or irritable bubs um, having them adjusted or consider adjustment from a chiropractor or osteopath if particularly if there was a traumatic oh. birth um, and it might be you know things like that you might have to do like breastfeeding upright or you know making sure you're burping them keeping them upright for a bit longer after after their meals uh, their milk meals but um, probiotics as I mentioned are really important particularly when antibiotics are given but I usually say the three main areas with probiotics is if if they're bottle fed, if you've had a C-section delivery and or if they're presenting with colic, consider the probiotics. If um, they have the colic and you're breastfeeding, then start with you through your milk. That's a gentler approach. And if you are giving them direct to bubs, start slowly. Like probiotics are pretty powerful. And what can actually happen initially is sometimes if you go in with the you know recommended dose, it can actually give symptoms of colic initially because it's like this war, war zone going off in their gut of the good and the bad. But um, start slowly, like I always say, quarter the dose of the recommendations and just really slowly build it up just to gently approach it. Um, but something simple like you, if you're breastfeeding, drinking herbal teas like lemon balm or chamomile or fennel can really help with bubs. And if if they um, are not breastfed, then you can actually give, there's a study I linked to in my book where they gave, it's a combination of 
lemon balm, chamomile, vervain, licorice, and fennel herbal tea. They actually gave 20 to 30 drops direct to bubs, and that was shown more effective than placebo. So it has some kind of effect to really soothe their, their tummy. And, of course, there's lots of other natural options, natural medicine options that you can do um, that I talk about within the baby book. But um, really start with those main things and then address mum's diet as well. So we know that, like I said, um, as bubs is adjusting to that life outside the womb, we have to keep in mind mum's milk is one of them and so what you're having as a breastfeeding mum may upset your bubs and there's there is a whole list of things I don't know if you want me to go through all of them but what I usually say is start with taking out dairy and soy because they can be two big ones and usually that's that can be a trigger so what happens with dairy is the enzyme lactase which breaks down lactose found in dairy products is only being established in those first few weeks post-birth so Often it is a contributing factor to bumps being a bit irritable. So I usually say take that out, take the soy out because that's you're not getting anything really nutritionally from the soy at that stage and it could be upsetting your thyroid as well. Um, and that can be the, the issue, but otherwise there's things like artificial sweeteners. So if you're having any diet drinks or products that could directly upset bumps, of course, caffeine, more so stimulating baby um, like tea, coffee, chocolate, cola, energy drinks, not that I recommend them anyway, um, or chocolate itself can be more so upsetting for um, guts, uh, baby, bub's gut, which definitely happened with my first, but I'm lucky enough to be able to enjoy my dark chocolate this second time around. Um, eggs is something to consider too. So often it's actually the white of the egg that's that's harder to break down than the yolk. So you might be able to still have the yolk. And to be honest, the yolk is the more nutrition, like has some, the more nutrition powerhouse with the vitamin A in there. So um, that may be something, the white particularly, that you may have to look at taking out for a little bit. Um, fermented foods, and this is interesting because you think of fermented foods to really support gut health, but initially fermented foods, you having them as a breastfeeding mum could just be way too strong for bubs. So I usually say just keep them out for the first few weeks, maybe month, and then slowly bring them in. And kombucha can have that double whammy because the, the carbonated drinks, the fizzy drinks um, can upset bubs, but then the kombucha's obviously got the ferment, um, the probiotics in there as well. So um, that's something to consider legumes if they're not being prepared properly. So if you are able to have legumes or if you want to try them, make sure that you're soaking them really well and cooking them really well before you try them. But just be wary that that is a big one that upsets bubs and too much. This is a really hard one. Too much of a cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, kale and cabbage. Um, often it's due to an, it's an individual thing. So, for example, with myself at the moment, with my 10 week old, I can have a good handful of broccoli. But if I had a whole plateful, that does upset her. So it's, you know, it comes down to that individuality and just trying out a few things. Um, large amounts of acidic fruit. So if you're having, for example, a big a bowl of tomato sauce in a bolognese, that may be too much tomato for them or, you know, a heap of strawberries all at once. Um, but some, of course, onions and garlic, that's something that affects a lot of adults. So you can understand why that could be something that bubs um, doesn't agree with bubs initially. So often we have to have a bit of a bland diet initially because things like spicy foods too could upset them. Um, but also being mindful of any foods that you are sensitive to yourself. So, you know, it may be 
I don't know, wheat or, or dairy. Um, you know, if you know that that's an, something that upsets you, just take it out um, because, you know, that, that will be passed on to bubs. Those antibodies will be passed on to them. So I know that that is a big list, but it's just if you are really struggling with an irritable baby, it's worth taking these out. What you do is you're looking at taking them out for, you know, a good three months and and reintroducing one, one food at a time every four days. Um, note for any reaction, if there's a, sorry, you initially take them out for until the symptoms are, have subsided, sorry, then you reintroduce one food at a time. If there's any reaction, then, then you take it out for three months. So, uh, and then re- try it again three months down the track, but just be patient because a lot of the time these foods, you can have them again. It just means usually within those first six months, my gut, baby's gut's developing still that they're just a bit too strong for them. So just eliminate weight, reintroduce, no any reaction. If there's a reaction, take it out, be patient, try it again. So just go through the list like that. And also consider anything like if you're having over-the-counter medication um, or on prescription medication, they could also be impacting bubs. So talk to your GP, talk to your pharmacist about alternatives there if, if you're taking any of those as well. Mm. so yeah just taking them out but it doesn't mean a mother you know it's very individual isn't it mm. some babies even in the same family can be upset by you know the first baby you might be able to drink your coffee and the second baby yeah. you might not or absolutely and that's whatever, what I found vice versa. yeah 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 so my first I couldn't have eggs um and it took me a little while to work out that it was eggs and um this time around I'm able to have eggs and it's just yeah a matter of um like the amount of foods that I'm having, like too much broccoli or too much um, tomato, for instance. So, yeah, definitely. So a individual. lot of things in moderation would be yeah. probably a good rule rather than eliminating That's everything ex- and then finding you're quite depleted. Yes. Or you're confused, what do I eat? Yeah, yeah. But there is a lot of good stuff you can do. But, um, yeah, just being mindful is the first thing is that these could be, could be triggering. Mm. Yes. Now, with COVID still around and winter coming on in the Southern Hemisphere where we are, you know, I'm in Melbourne, you're in South Australia, can you share some tips on how parents can support their little one's immunity, especially the toddlers who are exposed to so many more bugs? You know, they're going to playgroup, they're playing with more children, maybe mm. they're exposed through childcare. What yeah. can we do? Yeah, well always coming back to this gut so just remembering that that 80 percent of the immune system is found in the gut so it makes sense to start here so all of the things of course that we've talked about so far but then for toddlers they are more likely to be able to take in these fermented foods so i would definitely start there with the diet if you can bring in some fermented foods like particularly homemade yogurts and kefir and um you know if you can get some sour some wild sauerkraut that's in the fridge um, section of the supermarket or a health food shop, these can really help to provide those probiotics through their foods. And it's really good to start these as early as possible because um, like if you can encourage a wide range of taste buds early on, then they're more likely to have these foods um, long-term. So um, that's something I would consider age-appropriate probiotics, of course, would also benefit their immune health and the 
the probiotic strain Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG has particularly been shown to significantly reduce the risk of acute respiratory tract infections in children. Um, there was one study that showed um, by 38% compared to placebo and significantly reduced their duration as well. So definitely consider probiotics. Um, broths and slow cooked meals again, these keep coming up for um, really nourishing those, you know, getting those amino acids, those minerals in, the gut healing um, nutrients that they need. And of course, we know that, you know, chicken soup, for instance, is so healing once you've got a cold. Mm. So looking at foods where you can and sneak them in. So if they're not going to sit down and drink some broth, then sneak it into one of their favorite foods. Um, you can cook with it. You can, you can bring it in that way. Um, and also if you can sneak in some liver, like this is a nutrition powerhouse. Absolutely. Liver's got vitamin C, vitamin A, which is crucial for their immune health and also iron, which we know they need a lot of um, when, when they're growing. So if you can sneak in some pate or some liver um, in mints is a good way, um, is a really good thing to do too for toddlers. I would consider cod liver oil and, um, you know, that's got natural levels of vitamin D, natural levels of vitamin A, and it also has the DHA that they need still for their brain development. Um, once again, you can, you can get that through. You can hide that into foods or, you know, you can get um, toddler-specific chewables that have um, little strawberry, natural strawberry flavour and things like that in them if you need to go for that. Um, vitamin C-rich foods. So if you can, once again, coming back to that sauerkraut, that's a huge one for vitamin C, but colourful fruits and vegetables. Make it fun for them. Um, there's a superfood called kakadu plum. <clears throat> that's got really high levels of vitamin C in it. So you can put that into a smoothie or some ice blocks or something like that. Um, sunshine, we know that's huge, hugely important for their vitamin D. So getting outside, once again, getting them dirty, getting them in the sunshine, um, that's really important for their immune system over time. If you're able to, keep breastfeeding through this time because like we've talked about, your breast milk will adjust to what they need if they are going through a time where they're sick or unwell that breast milk will adjust and, and give them what they need to heal. Um, and then once they're two, we can do a lot more with natural medicine. So we can do dosing of herbs like astragalus and licorice root and echinacea and olive leaf. We can bring in some nutrients like vitamin D and zinc and C um, when they're un unwell as well. So I would recommend getting some professional support through a naturopath for specific um, products and, and specific probiotics um, strains, um, which I do talk about in the baby book. So there are definitely some things that you can do um, for toddlers um, to really support their immune system. Okay, Casey, what about when it's time to introduce family foods? You know, what are your tips around feeding growing mm. babies mm. and considerations around that? Yeah, this is a really important one because... As I said at the start, remembering that this is this opportunistic time where we can support your baby's microbiome and their gut health. So we can do that too through the foods that we choose when we're introducing them. So a few considerations to make when you're first introducing solids to your little one is still offer the breast before your main meals. And research has shown around that, that breastfeeding while introducing solids may reduce the risk of developing allergies. So if you can keep the breastfeeding going, it's not taking over from breastfeeding. That's what I you know, want to emphasize there. But some important 
things to consider too is, like I said, we want to help help encourage that microbiome development. And why that's important is that we can, if we can do that, we can avoid things like a leaky gut later on. So that's when you know there's holes in the small intestinal wall where undigested food can go through, and that promotes inflammation and food intolerances and immune challenges, and then can lead on to you know a lot of those conditions that I mentioned at the start, like the eczema and the asthma and um, the allergies and things like that. So we want to you know really optimize that digestion and the nutrient absorption of the food. And we can do that by firstly looking at that um, good gut bacteria. We want to optimize their nutrition and um, that can naturally help if we're getting the nutrients in that can naturally help them support their natural detoxification pathways as well. Um, But when we're talking about nutrition for, you know, firstly bringing in foods, we've got to talk about iron. So iron stores in breast milk do drop around that six months of age. So that's like really the big one that we need to look at when we're bringing in foods. And between seven to 12 months, the recommended daily intake of iron for bubs is around 11 milligrams, which is quite a big, big dose of iron. And when we're looking at the food forms of iron, there's two food forms. There's heme, which is from animal sources, and there's non-heme from plant sources. But what's been shown is that heme sources are superior in absorption over non-heme, so those plant sources, but also over iron fortified foods. So that's a really important point over things like rice cereal. So rice cereal, for example, is not only low in the absorption of the iron, but it also impacts the ability to absorb other nutrients like zinc because it naturally contains phytic acid. And so we want to be looking at those foods that naturally contain iron, um, but also how it can naturally contain B12 and zinc and other cofactors. So things like meats, which are slow cooked, of course, and pureed, um, liver, egg yolks, they're really nutrition powerhouses when it comes to iron, but they also, eggs also contain choline as we've talked about, is really important for baby's brain or their their central nervous system, basically. So um, that's an important thing to look at. Um, So we want to be looking at nutrient-dense foods over just fillers, basically, and we want them to be easy to absorb. And we also want to look at quality. So um, an example there is, you know, eggs that have been from chooks that are pastured and roaming around in in the grass and the sunlight, they have naturally brighty orange yolks and an indication that they have better levels of soluble fat soluble vitamin a which is a really important one for bubs and so another factor to look at is enhancing their digestion and absorption and utilization of those nutrients so we can look at firstly the purposeful sourcing of food so for example with an avocado if you choose an avocado that's you know more ripe it contains more lipase which is the enzyme that helps pre-digest fats And bananas, if you choose bananas that are spotted, they are easier to digest because they have higher levels of amylase, which is the enzyme to break down um, them as well. So that's a couple of things you can look at doing. And there's certain preparation methods and cooking methods that make absorption much easier as well. So there's some considerations to make. And of course, your baby's well-being. So we want to be respectful. We want clear communication. We want it to be a happy mealtime experience and memorable. So sitting down with them and you know enjoying that time together to create those healthy long-term habits is is something that I always recommend Um, but of course there's a big question around when when's the best time to introduce these um, solids to little ones the research shows that to reduce the risk of food allergies to be after 17 weeks or after four months and just before six months but also breastfeeding alongside as I mentioned can reduce the risk of the allergies 
But more important than I say to look at that time is to tune into your baby and make sure that they're meeting these really important milestones to make sure that they're physically ready for bringing in these foods. So a few examples would be good head and neck control, and that is to avoid the risk of choking, but also to show that physical readiness for the foods. Um, sitting up unassisted is another good one. Curiously watching your food, so like actually watching you as you take it from your, your plate up to your mouth and like opening their mouth and mimicking eating, they're really good signs that they're ready, able to hold onto and close their mouth around a spoon. Um, it's a good idea to give them a spoon too before you're thinking about trying um, solids so then they, they you can show you that they're, they're holding that and they know what that's about. Um, opening their food, if you are offering them, them food, you want them to be opening their mouth, sorry, um, and able to move that food from the front to the back of their, their tongue, allow that swallowing from a spoon. You want them really ultimately to be like free from those colic symptoms that we talked about. So then you know as you bring in these foods whether they are reacting and you want them to be able to give some kind of sign of lack of interest. So usually that's like turning their head away or putting up their hand because they can't talk and that's the way that you're going to know whether they've had enough. Um, so really being like ensuring that you know that every bubber is individual. So it's not just about a time frame. It's about tuning into your baby, watching them closely and ensuring that they're showing those signs of readiness before beginning your solid food introduction journey with them. Yeah, it's about respect, isn't it? You know, yeah. nobody wants to have food shoveled into their mouths if exactly. they're not. And quite often yeah. just giving them a soft vegetable or, you know, mm. soft pieces of avocado or banana that they can feed themselves with can be a lovely yeah. experiment and sensory experience for them. Exactly. And do you want me to talk about some main um, symptoms to look out for signs if they are reacting? Okay. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it's good to know. Yes. A really important point is to do the foods one at a time. So then you know, potentially if they're reacting to those foods and, and make a little bit of a, like, make it fun, do it in a little journal and put down what you've what you've brought in, whether they liked it or not, how you prepared it and whether any reactions occurred. And, and if you can do new foods every three to four days, then, then that's like giving you enough time because you can give a food and it can still be reacting three to four days or three days later. So you want to give that time frame within introducing anything new. And best in the morning because if there are any major reactions, you don't want it to be at night when they're sleeping. So the first thing to look out for, of course, is ruling out anaphylaxis. So swelling of the eyes, lips, face, difficulty breathing, them being pale and, and floppy. That's absolute medical emergency. You know, call the um, ambulance immediately. But secondly, they could have mild reactions. And it's, it doesn't mean that it's not important. It just means that you're, this is an important sign that your baby's just not ready just yet for this food. And it doesn't mean forever, but just yet. And that could include things like major bowel changes, could be skin breakouts, like a rash or eczema, hives or welts, it could be excessive crying, so those colic-like symptoms, that irritability, could be nasal congestion. So particularly you notice when they're sleeping, they're really stuffy if they don't have a cold. Um, vomiting, of course, um, dark circles under the eyes are another one. So if that's happening, you'd just, within those three to four days, you'd note that symptom. You'd then just say, okay, I'm not going to give that food again for another, say, three months and wait for the symptom to settle before you introduce the next food. So that's a, a good little, um, you know, guide around introducing them. Thanks for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so just really important to look at your baby as an individual and tune into them. And sometimes babies simply aren't ready till they're seven or eight months old before they'll, you know, they'll lick and taste and experiment, but they won't actually eat much. So it's still, again, as long as they're having milk, it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Great. That's a wealth of information, isn't it? <laughs> I don't take it all in. We'll have some show notes later, but you can also go to Casey's website, now, can you just tell listeners where they can follow you and find more information? Because I know you've got recipes on your website as well. Yes. Lots yeah. of tips in your books. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can find everything across at um, glowingmama.com. So that's mama, M-U-M-M-A. And I've also got an Instagram account, glowingmama.thrivingbubba, and the podcast is glowingmamathrivingbubba. So um, if you head across to the website, you can see the baby book, Thriving Bubba, and if you use code PINKY in capitals, then you'll get a special price as well. And that that, um, baby book has got the step-by-step guidance to, you know, bring these foods in once you're ready for solid introduction um, to really support the gut health and all of these areas that we've talked about today. So real emphasis on gut health for little ones. The other thing I was going to think, I just suddenly come into my head about when we talk (laughs) about toddlers in particular, drinks. Mm. We hear, you know, toddler formula and stuff like that that's completely unnecessary. Mm. Um, Yeah, what... What can we give our toddlers to drink? Water. Yeah, yeah, water. <laughs> uh, if you can sneak, if you can sneak in that broth, like I said, whether you dilute it with water, whether you put it into a smoothie, um, broth is amazing. And you know, like I said, if they're still breastfeeding, that's another one. But yeah, water discouraging fruit drinks because. Uh, if we think about, so think about an apple, you've got, you know, all the nutrients, you've got the skin, you've got the fiber in there, you've got all the beautiful um, vitamins that are in the, the, the apple, but if you juice it, then you've just got, you know, the fructose basically. So you need that fructose is, is not great for their teeth, but also it's a higher dose of sugar all at once. It's training them to like really sweet foods. So going away from fruit drinks and giving them the actual the actual fruit itself or putting it into a smoothie hole. Um, so then they're getting the fiber along with it. So yeah, definitely discouraging fruit drinks and soft drinks and going across to water. Um, you could do like a, you know, a juice with more like vegetables and a little bit of fruit. That's of course, that's fine, but it's just more the, the store-bought fruit juices is, is something that I'd stay away from. Um, so yeah, water, broth, diluted broth in water, diluted broth in into a smoothie, lots of good things that you can do there um, for your toddlers. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, we, we're starting to give them drinks other than milk and, yeah, yeah where do we go? Yeah. Because yeah. we hear so much about, you know, things like toddler formula and, mm. and it, they're pretty powerful advertising. And I've seen lots of parents who feel that they're giving their kid extra nutrients when they do that and just go sorry, there's a lot of sugar in them and there's mm. a lot of um, trans fats and yeah. And they're very filling so that they're going to take away from actually eating food. Yeah. Yeah. And look at where you can get those nutrients in, in their diet naturally. Um, so you, you, like you said, you're encouraging them to eat foods and get those nutrients in the foods rather than, yeah, just continuing to, to have the formula and the formulas do unfortunately a lot have um, got some, yeah, other ingredients that aren't so great. So yeah, if we can encourage encourage whole foods and getting them through the through their diet and that's that's great at that age um, but if you're still breastfeeding of course that's that's still amazing too mm. yeah 
Okay, before we finish up, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests. Can you share one of your own tits up moments as a mum? <laughs> we need to show that mums are real. Oh, like yes. How clever you are, mums are real. <laughs> I am the mum that forgets the nappies, forgets the spare change of clothes. Um, I would have to say probably the worst one would have been uh, the time that I had with my first, I was out and forgot the spare change of clothes and of course there was a massive poo explosion went all up her back all over all of her clothes didn't have the spare change of clothes and so had to put her in the carrier keep her in the carrier and it was a cool day as well until my sister could bring save me and bring a spare pair of clothes along but um, that was a bit of an embarrassing moment <laughs> um, yeah so always pack extra spare clothes because you'll use them and then forget to replace them in your bag <laughs> That's right. And I think probably most mothers have had it, you know, you're bringing back little memories here of me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're often standing somewhere in public as that poop bubbles out the top of the you. Yeah. I remember standing in a bank queue and I knew the girl was taking too long and all of a sudden came up over the nappy and dribbling down my arm and I'm thinking, hurry up, girly. (laughs) When you used to go to the bank counter, yeah. Yes. And and finally, your best tip for being the mother you want to be. Mm, Yeah, I I definitely have to say be present. This we know time just goes so quickly and you blink and they all grown up. Uh, So just spend that time with them where your phone's away, you're just there with your little ones and and completely present because it's precious and it goes too quickly. And yeah, we want to, we want to be able to really embrace that, that time. That's that perspective from a mum with a toddler and a baby. Yeah. (laughs) How fast. (laughs) Exactly. Mm. So it's okay to cuddle, to love, to sit there. You're not spoiling that baby. You're teaching it to love. Oh, absolutely. And just, you know, sit with them and talk to them or if they're talking, that is, Um, or just, yeah, taking in those little, those little new things that they're learning. Like my, my daughter, my 10 week old yesterday was looking at her hand. She's discovering those. I just thought that's so special. And yeah, it just goes by way too quickly. So just soak that up, embrace and embrace the, the night feeds. I um, spoke, spoke about this when I interviewed you, Pinky, on my podcast. Um, that don't wish away those night feeds because they are so super important for their brain development. And, you know, obviously it's keeping your meal cup for longer too, but you know, that's a precious time that you just have with you and your baby. So, you know, really don't wish away moments like that, I'll say. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's hard, but it's beautiful advice. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Casey. Thanks, Pingy. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.